Let us return to the portion we were read. Malachi chapter 3, centering your attention on words we find in verse 3. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Looking at this portion as the Lord enables us. Looking at this portion today under three heads. First of all, the refining process. Secondly, the refiner is God himself. And thirdly, the, end, the refined end product. And in that order. First then, The refining process. The text speaks of believers, sons of Levi. It's not speaking particularly of unbelievers. They are, as it were, dross completely. But they're speaking of those from whom dross must be refined, must be purged but who are, have grace in their souls already, the sons of Levi. You notice it's the silver and gold that is spoken of by way of allegory. It's not lead. It's speaking of the refining of the faith of believers, of the graces of the believer. And it's a refining of their graces, as I've just said, especially of that of faith. That is the primary grace, the root grace, but all other graces going along with it, the grace of um, patience and love and repentance, but primarily faith itself. In the refining process is a process that involves afflictions and chastisements in the life of God's people. It's like the silver and the gold being put in the furnace for refining. Well, the believer is being placed in the furnace of afflictions and chastisements for the purging and refining of the dross of sin that still cleaves to him. And it involves that purging of dross, that, that hole that cleaves to him in, in his graces. Now, these graces, as they came from the hand of God, were pure. The grace of faith, the grace of repentance, the grace of patience, the grace of love, all the graces, uh, as they came from the hand of God, were pure, but they have been placed in impure vessels, in sinful vessels, in sinful hearts. And because of that, there's the tint of sin that cleaves to these graces in our use of them, in our, in our 
in our outworking of that. So this is the what's set before us, first of all, the refining process itself. In the way of speaking of the, the refining of gold and silver, but really speaking of the refining and purging of the dross of sin that still cleaves to the lives of the believer himself. And then secondly, let us look at the refining, the refiner himself as being God. It's the Lord, it's the Lord who's doing the refining, not us. Not in our power to do so. It's the God of all grace who's doing it. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is doing it. The one who spared not his own son, but gave him up for us all. The one who has loved from all eternity. It is he who is doing it. And when he's doing it, nothing deceives him. Nothing deceives him. Nothing is hidden from him. Nothing escapes from his probing search of the lives and hearts of his people. You see that when you look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. Verse 13, where we find these words. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work for what it is. Nothing is hid from him. Nothing escapes his searching probe. He's not just looking at our outward lives. That's visible to all. Not just looking at our actions and words. Not just looking at our thoughts. He's looking at the motives and intents of the heart. And it's only God who knows the motives of the heart. And God knows that it's in these motives of the heart that the perverseness of our fallen nature has taken up residence. And it's only he who can judge these motives, whether they are with good intent, with worshipful intent, or not with worshipful intent. But he is the one who does the probing, and he is the one who does the refining and he is the one who does the purging. And he, pur he, he, he the, 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 the refining and the purging was going to in involve, as I've already said, afflictions and chastisements, the furnace as the silver and gold, in order to cleanse, in order that the, that which is dross might be taken away and that which is silver and gold, that which is of God's grace, and uh, might remain improved indeed, not as it was in the hand of God, but as it is in our lives today. And as he is engaged in that uh, 
afflictive, that chastening process in the lives of his people, we learn that he sits as a refiner of fire. He comes alongside the believers. He comes alongside uh, the furnace, as it were, where the faith and the other graces are being refined. And he, he comes alongside there in love. He's the God who has loved them with an everlasting love. He comes alongside there to preside over the temperatures. That, um, the, he, he comes alongside to moderate the temperature by which the furnace in which they are placed uh, is found. That the heat might not become excessive and yet that the heat might be sufficient. With God's grace accompanying it to bring them to repentance, to bring them to realize their own sin. So often you see that sin is discernible only to himself, not discernible to the believers. He will be crying out like the men of Malachi's time, wherein have we offended? Wherein have we robbed thee? But God is looking on the motives that lies behind all our actions and words and doings. And he is there presiding in love over the temperatures, the weight of the afflictions, until he knows that which is right for each and every one to bring us to cry out. Often we will cry out, we will be like a we will be like a sculpture and a sculptor working on that sculpture with a hammer and chipping. And, and the believer may very well be crying, why, why is my father, why is God, why is he dealing with me thus? And the answer, of course, is, because he is intending that that sculpture will be like himself, a picture of himself at the end. That they shall be Christ-like, that they shall be purified, that they shall be made fit for the enjoyment of glory, where nothing, unseen, nothing unclean can enter, where all the dross must be removed. This is God's purpose. He is a sculptor, sculptor who works in love. He is an afflictor who does not afflict willingly. And his chastening is to those whom he loves. That is the refiner himself then. And then you come finally and thirdly, to the refined end product. And that takes place when the Lord, who is presiding over this furnace, moderating the temperature, 
as he sees right in every instance, purifying the motives. He is awaiting as he looks on at that furnace when he can see the dross being removed and the metal, the graces of the Lord, the graces of the Spirit, when he shall see that soul that is being refined with an image of himself. It's like the gold, like, like the refiner of silver, waiting to see that shining coin with nothing else. It's the image of Christ that must be conformed into this soul. Totally. Totally. They have been, they are in the image of Christ when they're closed in with him. But oh, how much of dross of sin still cleaves. And the whole sanctifying process is with the purpose of cleansing and the purpose of refining and purging and purifying, not in a spirit of vengeance, as I keep on saying, but in a spirit of love. It does not afflict willingly. It's a spirit of love because he's looking to that end product. He's looking to that soul that is purified of all dross, that is made totally Christ-like, fit for the enjoyment of heaven, where nothing unclean can enter. They have already the title. They have been justified. The moment they closed in with Christ, but not only do they need the title, they need, they need to be conformed to the image of Christ. They need not only the title, they need the character that would befit them for the enjoyment of glory. What's the point of having title if you don't not fit for the enjoyment of it? Both must be there. Primarily the title, the justification. That takes place in the moment you close in with Christ, but the sanctifying process also, fitting of character for the enjoyment of glory, the end product that he has in mind from the beginning. There's the purification of the graces, and I've already said these graces were pure as they came from the hand of God, but they have been placed in sinful vessels, and there's the tint and corruption of these sinful vessels that attaches so often to our motives in all that we do and say and think. We don't, we don't understand our own motives. We think we're like, the, we're like the men of Malachi's time, wherein have we erred? God, the discerner, Nothing is hidden from his searching probe. A fatherly probe. And it's with the intent that all the dross will be taken away, and as it were, with the silver and the gold, purged totally and... Um, Pure gold, pure silver, pure grace, and nothing but grace in that soul. 
not just the purifying of our faith from all our um, worldliness of spirit that corrupts it, from purifying of it from all that, the looking to the creature rather than to the creator himself, purifying it from all that is dishonoring to God. to be formed into a crown to the praise and honor and glory of his great name throughout the endless ages of eternity. This is to be the seal. This end project will be the seal of their election. You read it, I have noted it here, the words of him, um, Zechariah, um, chapter 13, I forget which verse. And I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name and I will hear them. And now listen, I will say, it is my people, my people whom I have chosen from all eternity. My people, I saw them in the, I, with my all prescient eye, I saw them in the constituency of fallenness and repulsiveness, but I chose them in love. I said, it's my people. I gave them to my son to redeem. I gave them to him in love. I spared him not because of my love. And here we have the seal, as it were, the confirmation to ourselves, as it were, in greater measure, as it were, that we are of that body whom he has loved from all eternity. Here it is again. I will say it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. What a beautiful assurance is given to us that we are indeed of those who can say, he is mine and I am his. That is the Lord's intention. An intention of loving kindness and tender mercy towards his own. A refining process, a refiner who searches in love, and an end product that he has determined from the unbeginning will be with all whom he has chosen, all who shall enter into the full enjoyment of God to all eternity. Christ-like, in a sense, Christ's little messiahs formed by his grace to enter into that fullness forever. The spring.
we pray for grace to be reconciled to thy will in the midst of every providence that thou dost make to pass over us. So that in the midst of um, outwardly afflictive providences, we would be kept from embitterment. And in the midst of uh, outwardly prosperous providences, we would be kept from self-sufficiency and pride. That we would know that um, Christian balance um, where we could um, discern a Father's hand, making all things work together for good to those who love him, who are the called according to his purpose. We acknowledge our own inability often to discern the nature of sin within us. For we believe that that um, sin, that perverseness of our fallenness, has particularly taken up its residence in the motives and intents of our hearts. And thou alone art the discerner and the judge of these motives. We cannot discern the motives of others. We must not stand in judgment of them. And we need thy help to stand in judgment and through judgment of our own. We pray thy blessing on all thy praying people. We pray thy blessing on thy people in the midst of every providence. That we would discern thine hand, that we would be subject to the will of God as it is expressed in thy truth. That we would um, not be mistaken by the way providence might open up to us contrary uh, to thy will for us in thy truth. That we would not be as locked, looking to the outwardly prosperous and forgetting the welfare of the soul. That we would not be as Jonah having the fear provided for us, having a boat ready to carry us away, but to carry us away from thy will. Oh, may thou enable us to be biblical in our thinking and in all our determinations. May the world be way and standards of assessment be taken away from us more and more. May we realize the dross of the worldly assessment, the worldly methods of assessment. May our motive be such that we would seek the mind and the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
the one who himself bore affliction, chastisement in the Roman place of his people, who was not ashamed to call them brethren, who loves now to bestow upon them what he has died to win for them. The unchangeableness of his loving character. May we be dependent prayerfully upon the help of the Holy Spirit. May we realize that all the energies of the triune God are invested with this one purpose in mind, to purify, to purge, to cleanse, to make fit for the enjoyment of that which was predetermined, that which was thy purpose from all eternity for thee. Receive us with the pardon of our sins and shortcomings in our speaking and in our hearing. And teach us not just to be hearers of the word, the doers of it also. Receive us in Jesus' name. Amen.